like no matter what anybody says to my clients or anybody yeah the results show and i think that is from from now to tomorrow whatever it is the only solution is results uh chin usually says this thing he says don't tell them show them <laughs> right because even with artists it doesn't matter what you say it doesn't hello guys you're welcome to the listening sessions podcast a show about the music industry its players and the game my name is obina agu music businessman and your host Hello guys, Listening Sessions Podcast, Season 3. Um, I know I say this all the time, we have a special episode, a special. But look, 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 this one, this one. Um, okay, so guys, for anyone who has even a passing interest in the Nigerian music scene, my guest today needs no introduction. But for the few who don't, it is with great excitement that I introduce today's guest. My guest is an accomplished talent manager, music business executive, author, entrepreneur, and the vice chancellor of the world famous <laughs> Music Business Academy. Ichuk, Ichuk, I don't say Ichuk. <laughs> um, only one person in the global music space has a similar resume, and he is here. There couldn't be a better way to a more fitting way to bring this um, lovely season to a close. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only Godwin Tom. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do that thing. I just haven't found the opportunity. I'm too serious in my job. So there's no opportunity to be a clown. Yeah, so. <laughs> man, thank you so much for Thanks being for here, me, man. man. Finally, finally. Man, um, how have you been? How have you been? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm quite tired. I've, I've not. I don't think I've slept properly in a year and six months. So we're we're here. But it's all for a good um, reason. We'll come to all of that. So um, uh, you 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 just come from UK now. You know, not to teach, yeah. uh, SDC mm. um, Palm Wine Fest. Yes, sir. How did that go? Amazing, amazing. Um, I mean, not not to jab anybody. There were. UK artists struggling to sell tickets during the season. Um, so that we're forced to be able to sell out that venue. I wouldn't say it was a miracle because a lot of work went in there. People, and you know, shout out Nike, shout out Deji, shout out Nikita, uh, Wale, Lumide. Like, it was a lot of work put in, but we did it. We did it. And people, the most important thing for us from all Palm Wine Festivals that we've done is to give people an experience. It's not about just the artists it's really about the people coming there so i'm glad we're able to give people that experience lovely lovely i'm happy um why london um so basically you you start something good and you want to expand right you want to look at where there are where there's interest so feedback was coming a lot of the people who attend palm wine festival lagos were people who always came back you know they love the music yeah they come to the show um so we thought in 2019, ah, let's go and do London. So the guys went in and people need to understand that the SDC, we put the money up. So it's not as if we're begging anybody, you know, I mean, we want sponsors to come in, but we also want to show show them. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, we can do this mm-hmm. thing. Um, so we did, we wanted to do a small venue. So 
the place we picked, we were supposed to do 350. That was the plan initially, 350. Um, uh, shout out Nike. Nike is amazing with sourcing venues and, 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 and project managing the thing. And then we, the thing was full. So we had to open the venue. They had to open the venue and they had to open the venue again, you know. So we, what I think we put probably put about 900 people there for that. They, like it was to capacity. Mm-hmm. So the next phase for us was how do we, what next? Then Corona happened. And so when we're going back, we said, I know we were targeting 350 last time, but this time let's go for 1,200. Hmm. And, and we did it. So we are already planning 22. Whoa. Yeah. A bigger venue, of course. Yeah, we're looking at venues. That the the team in London is currently looking at venues now. So, wow. Um, we decide we should be able to announce it early. Okay, so I, I I'm guessing um London is obviously um one of their um hotspots. Talking about um, a fan base, mm-hmm. how long does it take to build that type of following? I've been managing SDC <laughs> since 2010. Yes, right, and sometimes it takes you. You know, you're going in a certain direction and you realize maybe you need to take a bit of a detour. Not like you're stopping because SDC hasn't stopped being SDC. The only difference is that the ch- the sound changed. Yeah. Um, you know, shout out Sparks. You know, the sound changed. There were a few modifications, but that doesn't mean SDC has changed. So it took us a while to get to this point. Many trials and errors, iterations, and we got here. So in terms of growth of the brand, a lot of the fans, like people that are SDC fans, are SDC fans. They know the true, words. True. They sing along. They, you know, so and for us, that is more important than, you know, two million followers on Instagram. We don't have, SDC doesn't have the following of a lot of artists, but we can pull. We can we have the pool oh, that you most can. artists don't have. So for us, it's we're more focused on that genuine interaction with the people who call themselves SDC fans. Lovely, lovely. Um, still on um the the UK, um, Palm Wine Fest London is probably the one hundredth um, show by a Nigerian entertainer mm. um this year there. You know, so um with these visits, how long do you reckon until the official UK charts start looking like um, MTN Top 10 countdown? <laughs> well, the truth is you can't really dominate a market that already has its own people, right? Um, yes, the reason why the music is growing is because the diaspora is growing. True. Right? True. So if the diaspora becomes such a, you know, it's still a small population, a small percentage of the population in the UK, regardless of how much it's growing. I mean, we can fill up 20,000 venue, we can fill up, but you also understand that more other races and other cultures are buying into the Afrobeat culture. So it's growing. So you will have a few people, but there will always be more British and more (laughs) more British artists than African artists on the chart. So it won't change anytime soon. What we're trying to do is ensure that the door is open so that more Afrobeat artists across time can pass through. That's pretty much what we should be focused on. I think what in the UK is great, but we have a lot of work to do here. Lovely, lovely. Um, you 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 almost um mentioned this, but um um people don't talk about this enough, but um you've had one of the most enduring business relationships with an artist or group. Mm. Um over ten years with SDC, 
bro, 50% of marriages don't even last that long. <laughs> you know, what, what, what would you say is responsible for this beautiful relationship? I think it's, sometimes it's, sometimes it's luck. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm. it's it's luck. Sometimes it's just people being able to tolerate each other. Sometimes it's, um, because it's not, I, I still have a relationship with a lot of people I, I'd stop working with. The only difference is I, I cannot want, I cannot want for them I cannot want their success more than them. True. Right? And True. sometimes what they consider should be the road to their success is not the road I consider to be the road they should go. And once that difference, once we start going on a tangent, we should just shake hands and, and keep things moving. For SDC, we became family. Right? So it was it was more like tech and ghosts are like, bros you know what i mean like they're those guys that i can even call for advice that type of situation so it helped a great deal that that was the kind of relationship we built so the things i mean i've made mistakes you know they've that they've overlooked they've made mistakes that i've overlooked because of the relationship that we have and i think that's been what's kept us together that understanding and they're also they have clear ambitions clear idea of what they want to go, where they want to go, and I agree with it, right? So when I give them a plan, like we just had a, a strategy session for the planning for the next couple of years, and, you know, Tech was able to say, well, this is what I think we need to add. Ghost was like, this is what I think we need to add. Um, and we're able to look at it and say, okay, so what you're saying is in line with what we're planning anyway. So, okay, fantastic. We can we can review and, you know, so that kind of relationship is a similar relationship with Beverly Naya, right? Because for Beverly, Beverly also has become like a sister to me. So she is like our relationship has been mutual of mutual respect. There's you can talk to Beverly about creative stuff from now to tomorrow. The moment you say, uh, so how much as you are landing with more, she's like, stop talking, talk God, just call God. You know what I mean? And and it helps. It helps the relationship grow when people are allowed to do their job. You know, and, and so I feel confident that no matter what happens, Beverly knows what she's supposed to do and I know what I'm supposed to do. And because both of us are doing it well, both of us succeed and benefit. I, Beverly, I can say categorically, there are very few actors that earn what she earns. Very few. And, and And I speak with my chest honestly on that, that the bulk of her money has come from brand partnerships, but she's also been able to properly invested over the last four years hmm. to the point where she can pick movies she wants to be in not because not because she's she needs it but because she genuinely likes the script and you know when because she yeah. genuinely likes it she's going to give her best true and we don't double book her for movies if Beverly's doing one movie it's one movie um, and that's because we've been able to put her in a comfortable space financially for her to do that she has multiple businesses from real estate to food wow. to clothing like her clothes are selling out so it's really growing something but that's because the relationship has built to a point where talent trust manager manager trust talent yes it's the same thing with sdc how how is the how is the movie um business different from the music business in oh boy. as you play boats. I, I i know that i give sometimes in my negotiations i give producers of nollywood a tough time <laughs> Um, but <laughs> but I, I always try to let them know that I respect what they, these guys are building something out of absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, the first 
movie that I got for Beverly, I panicked. The first movie that they called me after we started working, 2016, I panicked. And I'll tell you why. So a year before, or two years before, I'd been managing WizKid. Yeah. You know, I've started working with SDC. We're making some money. I'm still booking some artists. I'm working with One Day Call now. You know, it was... The first call I got for a movie, the, the guy said 10 days. I said, fantastic. He said, um, I said, are you offering, are you covering food? They said, yes. Logistics, accommodation, they said, yes. And then I was like, okay, so what's your budget? And he said, 250. I said, 250 what? <laughs> he said, two, 250,000. I panicked and hung up. So, so basically, because that's, <laughs> if you break it down, that's 25K per day. Per day. Right? So I called and I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like how are we like how are we going to eat? You know what I mean? Like no. <laughs> you know, so we sat down and we just we just said, you know, let's re-strategize. We looked at her her branding. We said, okay, what brands do you have relationships with? At that time it was just Amstel Malta. So we said, all right, let's ex- let's exploit and properly let's squeeze this relationship as much as we can. Let's give as much value as possible. So that's when the barbecue idea came up. They sponsored the first one. With how successful that was, they were like, all right, let's go into a partnership. So the second year was Lovely. a multi-millionaire deal and like tens of millions. And we were able to execute multiple projects for them. Um, and if you notice on her documentary, there's an Amstel Motor inside. Yeah. So all of that was stuff that we started putting into play. Uh, we, I think we did the barbecue twice. And then we moved on from that. And then we started looking at our relationship, we looked at the issue Nivea was having in Ghana with the light skin issue. And we're like, yeah. Look, let's have this conversation with them. So we've been working with Nivea for three years now. It's 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 just been it's been hard justifying sometimes charging Nollywood. But you also have to look at because what I do now is I try to do opportunity cost. Beverly has multiple brand engagements and partnerships. Yeah. So what we try to do is when somebody says I need you for 15 days, the first thing I do is hold on, let me call. Yeah, let me call the brand yeah, teams. Let me yeah. know if we can manage with this because with the money you're paying, I know it's a lot for you because her money has exponentially gone up. But that's a I lot know, of time. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it might affect money that I'll make in one hour. Right. <laughs> right? So those are things that we wanted to to look at. But I mean, other than that, um, the industry is still growing. And it's growing as slowly as it is. Same with the music industry because it's not getting the needed support that it that it should get. Um, but it's growing. Is it just Beverly, or are you really um, looking to go? Not at the deeper? moment. Okay. I, I do have. I've had a number of Nollywood uh, actors and actresses reach out to me. But I think my synergy with Beverly for now, if I'm going to go into that level of management and I would I would need the funding to set up a proper agency. So I have my film department, yeah. and I have my music department, yeah. I have my arts department. I, I I'd want to do that if I'm going into it. Okay, um, I, I I'm 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 deviating a little, but um, that whole manager thing isn't new to the music industry. Mm-mm. Is that how it is for the movie guys? Are they used to dealing with managers? And- Not really. Um, from my experience, um, a lot of a lot of people don't even want to talk to me. 
but we face this thing in the music industry. So it's, yeah. it, it's, it's over time, it becomes a norm when people start saying, speak to my manager, when it becomes a normal conversation. True. People will start. I remember, I remember how many brand managers just don't want to talk to me. You know what I mean? The more the artist said, speak to my manager, the more it became normal and the more brand managers started building relationships yes. with managers. So it's going to take a while, but it's a process. But, you know, it's a struggle for most Nollywood people now. If an actor says, talk to my manager, it's almost seen like arrogance. <laughs> but I... I um, something interesting is happening in your camp right mm. now. Um, Tech, who is one half of Show Them Camp, is co-manager to one of the brightest stars in the world right now, Thames. Um, I'm pretty sure he owes you money for management masterclass he has received over the years. Has he paid? Okay, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me put it this way. There are two artists that I consider probably the dopest ANRs that are artists. Hmm. One they call and tech, right? Um, and Ghost does have a role to play, but Ghost is Ghost, right? Shout out Ghost! Ghost is the guy that vetoes, yeah? So, uh, but in terms of what SDC as a, as a group has done over the last yeah. four or five years, is you see ANRing in the projects. So we've been able to well, they, because they're the ones who are the creative guys, they've been able to create music by introducing new talent. People that a lot of people maybe heard of, maybe never heard of, yeah. but they're the guys that go on to do amazing things. Po, Thames, True. Buju. True. You know what I mean? Like True. These are the guys that are going out to do a lot of amazing stuff. And so it's innate. It's part of their DNA to be like, Palm Wine Festival isn't just a festival for SDC. It's a festival to push culture. Absolutely. And introduce new people. So, um, it's, it's not even shocking to me that tech is responsible or part of the team responsible for her success. I mean, shout out Donawa as well. Um, but there's, there's a lot of, tech has amazing ear for eye for talent and ear for music that very few people have and you know he's reaping his benefits any management conversation we have as i said we we make decisions together you know what i mean so it's not like i'm teaching him anything really um whenever he calls me for advice i also call him for advice on other matters so i, I think and that's i think that's part of why our relationship has grown because there is an understanding of strengths and weaknesses and value exchange and we're able to use all of that so i'm not shocked by any of the things that are going on as a matter of fact people don't even know half the things that tech does tech is the most tech stealth level is now is is, is astronomical people have no clue what tech what tech does wow amazing we can't wait to see all this other stuff i mean i'll give you an example people don't know that tech has been directing a lot of our videos Ooh, king davis why did I not make that connection? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. So so it's there's 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 a lot of layers around what the guys do and sometimes you see the music but there's a lot of work going on underground as bubbling, you know. I mean, I don't want to start telling tech story because that's his story to tell, but there's a lot 
that that guys are doing that people don't don't really clock awesome awesome we're here to tell your own story so um let's take it back a bit to the godwin some that existed before the music industry mm. um who was that guy what was he doing uh, the guy that used to dress like a, <laughs> i used to dress like it like i was in private school in a, a village um <laughs> uh, i mean i was i was before the music industry i was working i'd worked in multiple businesses so um i'd worked in advertising i'd worked in sports marketing i'd worked in printing uh monogramming i'd worked in um uh a magazine company uh, I'd worked in an event company as well. So Whoa. I'd done quite a number of work and all these different jobs. In most of the jobs I was doing like sort of management, marketing manager, admin head yeah. kind of roles. So I was interacting with a lot of other businesses, e.g. Globalcom, ETC. So I think that was what helped me when I became when I came into the music industry. But before then, I was just this simple guy that earned a salary and was minding his business. Rapper. But I mean, yes, the rap. I was a rapper <laughs> before I went into work. Um, the rap thing didn't really work out for me. It was great. I could. This people said I I knew how to rap. Which Seven. Is but yeah, but you see, you see, let me tell you something. Eh? It's I I I I'm grateful for ability. But ability needs to produce uh, fruitful outcomes. So I felt rap wasn't my thing. So I went back to <laughs> went back to school. I went back to work. But there's also the fact that I couldn't really leave music. Um, I've told this story so many times about Osage pulling me back into the music industry, yeah. and and I and I think I found my place when I started working with MI. I just felt I just needed to figure out how to stamp my foot put my foot on the ground properly um but yeah before the music industry i was that guy that earned the salary and went to work closed that went to went to work at nine closed at five well hung out i was my time was predictable (coughs) and all of that stuff i was a basic regular guy (laughs) okay so um you 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 walked across different sectors Mm. so what was it about the music business that made you stay the music industry might have might been as well have been things, one yeah. of those stops. I think it was the only thing that I I felt I was in control of, you know, um, or the only thing I felt like I wanted to do. Like the other things I did because okay, I'm looking for a job, I apply. This was the one I made a decision to do, and it wasn't fun <laughs> at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. It wasn't like I started the job and I started making a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, there are days when I couldn't go home True. that period and True. I would just sleep in True. Ginny's house. You know, those type of situations. And when you go through that, it begins to give you, begins to make you think, why am I really doing this thing? And mm. is it because I'm looking for money or what am I trying to prove? What? Why am I doing it? And I think... In my quest to answer that question or those questions, I stayed longer and I persevered and I went through the process and I developed myself and I asked, continue asking myself. I still ask myself that question every day. What's next? Why am I doing this? And I think that's what has kept me here. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I, I Not so long after um, 
you 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 got into the business, um, you got to manage one of Nigeria's biggest entertainment exports, Whiskid. Um, what was that like? Who reached out first? Whiskid reached out. So um, it's crazy. So I started managing Wajer. I was working with her team. Actually, I was consulting for Wajer at the time. Okay. Um, and I got a call from Wiz. I picked up. It was like, hey, what's good? It's Whiskid. Like, hey, Alpha, because I'd met him before, but we didn't have a relationship. So I was like, ah, what's good? He said, ah, that he's looking for management. I said, really? He said, yes. I said, okay, I'll call you back. So I hung up and I called Osage immediately. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So I called Osage and I was like, yo, um, Wiz just called me. Is everything okay? He says he wants me to manage me. She's like, yeah, they've not been working for a few months. I'm like, ah, I didn't know that. So she said, yeah, that's actually should prefer that I take mm. the job. So I said, all right. So you could see that she still cared. And for a long time, I, I ran a lot of my decisions through Osage and I would ask her for advice. Um, but he reached out and, I mean, there was there's so many parts to working with Wiz, but that's generally what you go through with working with artists, you know. But what a lot of the things that I felt that I respect about Wiz was one, Wiz never made a decision in a rush. Hmm. Um, as young as he was, it was something that I actually admired. I would pressure him though, because, you know, time is of the essence. Yeah. But he never made a decision uh, in a rush. And Such that, a boss. That was that was something that I actually respected. I remember one gig we had with the, with the multinational and they sent contract, everything was good. I had negotiated everything to what he wanted. We're happy with the money. We're good. And he's like, hold on, let me think about it. I was like, bruh, <laughs> bruh, like, come on, man. I mean, there are times when there was an opportunity and he would be like, all right, let's, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. jump on it. But on most decisions, he took his time to make. That was very good. Another thing that people, like you see him in the club, you see him, you see the babes, you see all these nice things around him. But people don't know Whiskey literally slept, slept in the studio. Right? He, every day. At least four hours, Wiz was oh. in the studio. He was always in the studio. Even if it's just to listen to music, he was always in the studio. And <clears throat> that level of dedication is why he's successful. So people see, you see maybe one hour or two hours of his time, yeah. he posts a picture, but the rest of the time he's working. When we traveled, he always wanted to fly with the producer because he always, the moment we it was it was almost part of our ride that a producer had to fly with him. The moment we get to the hotel, the first thing the producer knows that his room is the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody knows that your room is the studio. Is the so studio. as soon as you get in, you're setting up your studio. Wiz is going to come in in like thirty minutes. Within thirty minutes to an hour, he's going to show up in your room and he's going to start recording. He's going to. So it was, it was, a good experience to witness that, like that level of drive that you didn't need to push the artist to get into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he, he himself was already in that state of mind where he, everything going on with Wiz now, I don't think Wiz is surprised. This wow. is me being honest. I don't think he's surprised about anything that's happening to him. He might be excited that it's happening, but I don't think Wiz is surprised. Wiz has seen it. In, I don't know how to explain Everybody this. Everybody says this. I don't know how to explain this, but Wiz had seen it 
and literally just needed to get into it. So it's like he's seeing it and then stepping into that place. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised. I don't know what else he's thinking about doing, but <laughs> but I think not. I think those of us that were close to him are not shocked. We're happy for him, but we're not shocked by by this level of success. Now, did he have vices? Did he have issues? Yes, we all do. And that's, I think that's part of why you grow, even as a manager, as an individual, you grow to that point where you recognize that for you to give an artist value, you need to have value yourself, right? And so when the artist is building growth, you need to be growing. If Absolutely. Growing, you need to be growing so that you don't feel out of place. Because eventually, if you don't grow with the artist or grow even faster than the artist, it gets to the point where the artist, you and the artist can't relate anymore because they're now sitting in meetings with people that are thinking far beyond your mindset and your view that when he comes back to have conversations with you, he can't really get anything out of you. And that spoils relationships. It because does. Because eventually the artist is thinking, so what value is this person? Even no smarter than this guy. You, no matter how much you did, right? So does he have his vices, his problems? Yes. Trust me, I've worked with artists. All of them do, right? And they do, they have it in varying degrees. <laughs> but I think one of the biggest challenges is sometimes the artists are unreasonable, but also sometimes the manager hasn't grown. And so it's a struggle. So, um... There were there were challenges, uh, there were issues, but personally, I don't talk about the issues because they're irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I just feel like they were part of the process of me. Even I tell people the biggest, the biggest opportunity that changed my life was whiskey not working with me anymore. That's a, that was the biggest change wow. I needed to go through. Tell and us more. The reason why is so when I stopped working with MI, brand manager stopped talking to me, right? Um, and, you know, I went on for a while. You know, I went to SDC, went with Iris. We did a lot of work. But we roofed up MCs as well. Like, a lot of things were happening. So I wasn't totally out of the loop. But I know the kind of conversations I was having with MI uh, or for on behalf of MI. And then when I started working with Wiz, those conversations started. And it was happening on a oh, larger it... scale, right? But the, the moment we stopped working, I think that was the first time I clocked it. That, wait a minute. So I'm, I've always been Godwin Tom, Whiskey's manager, Godwin Tom, Emma's manager, Godwin. I've never been Godwin Tom, right? And <clears throat> that was what I needed to happen at that time. It was because your, your biggest earner just walks away, you know, and then around that time, Waja also left as well. So I was literally alone. And I had to make a decision about my approach to life and think I don't want to be I don't want my name to be fixed to another person's name for me to have any value. So that's when I started pitching. I started going to companies, writing proposals, talking to people about different things I wanted to do for them. You know, me and TBWA had an agreement. I I was part of the team that helped pitch to Omnicom uh, for or pitch with Omnicom for MTN's global account. Lovely. <clears throat> so, you know, those type of things now started building my own relationships with brands and with people to the point where when I started managing artists again, it was more of a respect for Godwin Tom than because you're managing this artist. Yeah. So, you know, I, I remember an artist, somebody said, ah, you know, we had an issue with this artist and somebody in the room said, I'll call the person, but I can't name the brand. Abuchi, 
was in the room when this conversation was happening. Abuchi said, the person managing this guy now is Godwin Tom. Whatever issues we had before, I don't think we'll have it again. And I remember the brand manager at the time calling Whoa. me and saying, Abuchi just vouched for you. If this thing happens with this guy again, Abuchi is going to pay not just the fee, he's going to pay for damages. And I said, don't worry, it will not happen. I remember that night, it was a show in First Stack. The, the, the brand manager came to hug me. The artist showed up on time. <laughs> the artist, like, it was, it was almost like, so that level of growth that I had experienced in my personal business life reflected in the success of my own artist. So that was, so that point where Whiskey and I stopped working seemed like a curse at the time, but it was a blessing. Whoa. So, um, managers should be looking to build stuff for themselves while they're building for others, right? As a manager, you you manage, if you manage one artist, you manage two careers. The career of the artist and your career. Because no artist that has any mind that wants to go anywhere, wants to work with someone that doesn't have a career. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you have to manage your own career so that you can be useful to the artist, so that you can advise them. You know, um, somebody was telling me one day that, ah, Wandiko, doesn't Wandiko, you don't, you don't hang out with him in the studio, you don't, I said, I'm not, I'm not Wandiko's A&R, I'm not his producer, I'm the guy who's supposed to bring him money, right, if I don't give him money, if I don't bring him money, he's gonna fire me, exactly, that's my job, so, Wandiko knows that if I'm out there, he might not speak to me, Wandiko and I were in London for two weeks, I don't think we saw each other for up to two times, <laughs> almost a month, we we're together in the UK, and, but he knew that I was working, Right, so the moment I called him and I said, "Yo, you're on Ends Festival in Croydon, in London," it wasn't. It wasn't like, "Oh my God!" He knew that. Okay, Godwin is working on yes. something. Whatever it is, it will materialize. So we only had conversations about when we talked. How are you doing? Hope you're okay. Okay, fantastic. I have something coming. I'll let you know once it's done. But outsiders don't hear that conversation, right? So when he's hanging around and people don't see me, they don't see that. So I think the value you have as a manager in building your own career and building your own network, your own relationships, will be very useful for them. I mean, there are artists that will give you access. Facts. Yeah. Right? But you also need to be able to maintain those relationships and build beyond just what the artists helped you get. Wow. Um, you said, Abuchi said to this brand manager, don't worry, once Godwin gets in the driver's seat, everything is good. Mm-hmm. How does one build that type of reputation in the industry? By giving. By giving. Abuji was pretty much my student. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when I used to yell. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> now I call Abuji for advice. You, you understand? So you, because of how much you give, and and this, I always say this thing: people that people are fighting, people they should be mentoring. Right, and that's part of the reason why those people that are fighting are not growing, because if you open a door for somebody, right, and that person opens the door by extension and indirectly, you've created more opportunities for yourself. Hmm. I know how many of my students are giving me opportunities, are pitching my name, are having my conversations in rooms where I mean, one of my students was in a meeting, got. A wind of an opportunity and called me to say, oh, this thing is happening. 
you know, those type of, I think, I think we've gotten in, but, but this thing is happening. Mm. I think it would be good for you to also, those type of, it may not mean anything when you're doing it, but by opening a door for people, not all of them will come back and say thank you. Yeah. But even if it's one or two that say, look, okay, he held the door for me. I'm going to hold his ladder as well. That's pretty much how it works. So Abuchi was speaking from a position of, I know this guy. It wasn't just, that's, that was him vouching, knowing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. if it went south, he was the one that was going to take the blame, right? So I, I think that kind of thing is built by just giving. Lovely. Um, in an interview, you said once an artist becomes successful, people around him, from family members to friends mm. and colleagues, become special advisors. Mm-hmm. So it makes the work 10 times harder. Yeah. Um, please, could you tell? So <laughs> when an artist becomes successful, mm. right, it's sometimes those people are trying to look out for the artist, right, in their own way. They're thinking, you know, let's find a way that we can make sure that this this guy stays successful. The problem is they don't have enough information to make that move. So even if the intentions are good, sometimes the information is inaccurate. Yeah. So what you end up having is um, the artist having multiple people in his or her ear talking about what they should be doing, what they think they should be doing. And what that does is when you have a plan with the artist and you're going in this direction, then somebody who doesn't understand the process of generating revenue, networking, the process of building relationships, the process of, you know, all that stuff, people people who don't understand that begin to give advice. And then the artist begins to kind of veer off from your plan because they're now now you now hear some random questions. You know, why is this thing like this? Why didn't I get this one? What happened with this one? Did you notice that this person got... You know, everybody starts paying attention to what everybody else is doing He's and then doing. telling the artist they should be doing exactly. that too. Exactly. Um, and, and that makes it 10 times difficult because now you not only need to convince the artist, you need to convince the artist enough for them to convince whoever is talking to them. Because they possibly care about that person. You know what I mean? For them to convince those people. Mm. And then secondly, you now have more than ever the need for you to prove yourself increases because now you need to show those guys that they don't know what they're saying. You know, you don't have to do that, but you be- it becomes necessary because... You want to just do your job. <laughs> you just need to do your. You need space to do your job, but you can't do your job because too many people are interfering. So now you need to start considering those people when you're planning and when you're executing these things. It's tedious. So, what is there a way out in Results. such a situation? Results. Results. There's nothing else. Results. Because the thing is, you can talk about what your plans are from now to tomorrow until it is seen once it becomes evident that we are being successful no matter what anybody said around one day one day knew he was making money right um we knew we're busy so it didn't matter and because it wasn't like nobody was saying i heard a lot right but it didn't matter because as far as results were being shown Everything that was said was just 
hearsay or just people talking. Um, and and that is like no matter what anybody says to my clients or anybody, yeah. the results show. And I think that is from from now to tomorrow, whatever it is, the only solution is results. Uh, Chin usually says this thing. He says, don't tell them, show them. <laughs> right? Because even with artists, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't. It's really around <laughs> what, <laughs> what you do and how the results show. And I think that's that's really what what you need. I hear you. Um, Godwin, how can managers protect or prepare themselves for the inevitable artist-manager breakup? Or, um, you, Have your contract, man. Like... Now, some lawyers will tell you, you know, non-verbal agreements can suffice as long as you have proof that, you know, there is regular payments of a percentage ETC. Yeah, but you see, the thing about precedence is you also need to consider territory, right? And you also need to consider the legal structure and system where you come from. Um, So... I think the case that this was, the case that was referenced for this was, um, what's the name of this? Uh, Elton John and his manager, right? It was a legal case. uh, And it was proven that because the manager was receiving a certain amount of payments regularly and was representing him and speaking on his behalf, it was implied that there was a contract or an agreement between them in terms of payment. But you see, courts here, before you might get one date in the court, it might take you three months and the judge has a pile of cases to go through. Nobody is checking precedence as well as they should. So what they're looking at is what did you agree? What was the writing? And the con- the paper he has is what he needs to look into to make his notes. Um, so it's usually wise to just have some sort of agreement in place that clarifies what all of you are doing. Unless you're just doing it as your guy, then you know that when it happens, you and your guy just didn't work out and you keep it moving. But if you're trying to build a career for yourself, then you want to protect yourself as well because you can never win an argument in public court with your artist. The artist is more popular, has more followers, and you know more people are connected to what they're doing, not mm-hmm, necessarily who mm-hmm, they are, mm-hmm. right? So the things they say, the music they make, and so when when that happens, even no matter how superficial it looks, the reaction is not really what you can control. So it's best to just have a way that you can protect yourself. I have had artists we stopped working, and I my my sunset clause was activated and do what you want to do. I was still making some money from businesses I had created until a certain period of time. So the best way is contracts. The second way is build your own network. Um, It's good to rely on the artist for giving you access. But what you do after you get through the door is what keeps you in a relationship with those people. So, And then also because of that relationship, you're also able to, to then bring more people through the door. Hmm. Right. So you can now, even if I don't work with this artist anymore, well, here's an opportunity for another artist to grow or build. And that is, that is, you can't control people. If someone doesn't want to work with you anymore, they don't want to work with you anymore. That's it. So I think that's how managers can do it is have a contract, have a plan. Um, Another thing that I see managers doing is this, you know, you start your career and you want to manage five artists, you know, chill. You know what I mean? Like take take some time to build work. 
show your work with one person, deliver results, and then grow. Because when you open the door for one artist, not every deal that you open the door for will, will, will work, will click. Yes. But it might work for someone else. So now you've built a relationship, you've opened the door and built a relationship that could benefit another artist. So that is when you now start considering bringing new artists because you can see opportunity. So an artist pops into your mind or you hear a song and automatically your brain tells you, I think there's an opportunity for this person. That's where your brain begins because of the experience you've developed, yeah. right? And the opportunities you've seen, it's now easy for you to visualize opportunities for that new artist. That's how it works, mm -hmm. really. That, that's how our brain works. Uh, so sometimes people take on clients and they have no plan of what to do for them. I remember, I know artists that have reached out to me and I've sat for, amazing artists. I've, I've sat for days thinking what, What's and I doing? can't, my brain can't see it and I just don't take the job. So there's, 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 there's that. Right, so I think building a network, um, creating results, because when you create results, you can make demands. True. Right. True. So um, you you do you do the best that you can do to make sure that you nobody is involved, nobody is re irreplaceable, but you do what you can to be less replaceable. Yeah. Awesome. I I I find that um, artists and so. Um, they don't take it well when their manager starts to represent mm -hmm. other people. Um, it makes them feel like, you know, the quality of what you're bringing isn't the same. Mm. How do you assure them? How do you allay those fears and just... Results. <laughs> <laughs> it's true because it's only, it's only fair that the artist feels like if you, if you give your attention to someone else, it might affect the attention you give them. It's mm. only fair. It's normal. Mm. Um, even even people in relationships go through that. People who are not even dating self, friends feel some type of way when their friends stop hanging out with them and start hanging out with more people. So um, it's inevitable. But I think it still goes back to, am I delivering? Mm. Right? What are the things that we're trying to do this year, this month, this quarter, this first half? Are we doing it? Are we getting it done? We're getting it done. Let's keep it moving, right? Um, and I think also as you build your reputation and build your brand and build your name and build your network, those things don't really become an issue eventually. Because I, I mean, from from the moment an artist starts talking to me, you already it's in my contract that you're not the only person. You already that know. <laughs> so you know. So it's 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 really an issue that a lot of young managers deal with, and it's inevitable because. It's only okay for someone to be concerned about their career and think about how it will affect them if you step aside, right? So or if you start doing multiple things. So the only way you do it is by... That's why I tell managers, grow organically and gradually because it makes it easier to swallow. So you go from one artist and then now you're managing five and then the artist that you're working with is like... <laughs> you know, uh, and so you're you're not available, and you you need to also understand that artists, creative people are most people, most creative people are people who do a lot of routine. It doesn't look like they have a routine, but they do routine, right? So when they get used to certain things, when you start changing it, it affects them. It affects how they react to you. So you have conversations with artists about things you want to do all these things they're processing the information you're giving them and then one day you you are not there 
and they're like, ah, normally around this time, this guy this is guy here. Is here. So you need to do that. You need to gradually phase out those types of routines. You can't just boom. The artist is gonna react. <laughs> Man, um, Godwin, what what is your general perspective on artist management in Nigeria? You know, you you, you know um, what's working. What would you change? What would you like to see more of? Um, I think. There needs to be more togetherness. I think that some management companies need to merge so that they can offer more value to their clients. Um, I think that um, managers need to stop hurting each other, right? Um, if you're, you know, in the popular cartoon, Bambi, uh, when his mom asks Stumper, I don't know how many people have watched Bambi. It's old. Um, when the mom asked Stumper, what did your father tell you this morning? And Stumper said, if you can't say something nice, don't say don't nothing say at all. <laughs> right? And and I think some people need to keep quiet in meetings uh, because it goes around, right? When you when you shut someone down, it goes around and then it comes back to you, um, comes back to the people and then there's enmity, there's anger. Um, so there needs to be a little bit more togetherness. Um there needs to be more education, right? Because you you sit in certain meetings in the US, in the UK, in South Africa, and you should be happy that somebody is saying, oh my God, you're so intelligent. But it's sometimes I have to stop people from doing that with me. Like, no, we are all intelligent. You know, but the problem is because a lot of people that have gone through the door didn't really represent. So they're referencing them to the rest yes. of the industry. So more education so that who, regardless of who walks through the door, you know, people know that, okay, these people know what they're doing. If not, people are going to continue to take advantage of, of us. Uh, and I think the last thing would be managers. The, I know that there's an association. Uh, managers in the business need to take the association seriously because... It, it makes the association weaker when individuals can do more than the association, right? So, um, and the association, I see the work Obasiju is doing. I see the work a lot of the guys are putting into that. But it is kind of, we need to have a proper body that can demand certain things and protect the interests of managers. So the manage, So the manager has somewhere to go when he's been exploited or when he's cheated. He has, he has somebody that can represent him. It might not happen soon, but I think, you know, with the existence of that organization, it can then begin to grow. So those are the things I, I think would need to change. Managers need protection. Hmm. Wow. Um, when I was doing my intro, I, I called you the vice chancellor of <laughs> <laughs> music business. Um, academy, soon to be university. Um, <coughs> with, <laughs> with everything you've said now, um, can you describe the ideal music business Africa graduate to us? Like, if someone passes through the academy and really applied themselves yeah. while they were there, I'm what happy, are some of the skills and characteristics I'm happy you, said you would expect? Apply themselves. Uh, for people who truly go through the program, what you expect is somebody who is one, informed, 
about the industry and getting that information from global leaders, um, global leaders and players and stakeholders. Another thing you expect is someone that has experience because what we're trying to do is a vocational training program that gives people practical knowledge. So you learn about what the industry is and how it works globally and locally. And then you now have an opportunity through the talent project to apply it, right? So that's why we're releasing EPs, right? So that the artists, the students go through the process of what is the process of conceptualization of a song to release and marketing of the song and sales. That's really the process they go through. So the idea, the copyrights that is created, put in, in physical form yeah. that can be seen as, okay, somebody now has created this copyright and owns it. What does it go into the person that is recording? That's why we have a producer, we have a writer, we have an artist. So the writer writes, the producer produces, the, the artist performs. And so we have those processes and throughout all those processes, you have people in multiple teams. So you have the legal department, you have the a &R department, you have the marketing department, you have the management, you have the legal services, you have the legal services, you have the, um, the label services, the services. Uh, and then you have an executive team that's overseeing the process. And then within those systems, you have artist liaisons, you have a &R liaisons. We're trying to ensure that no matter what role anybody is interested in, whether you're coming in to learn from the beginning or you're somewhere in the middle, you know how that role works and you're able to actually apply yourself within it. And that's, that's, that is something that even universities won't give you, right? Because universities give you the opportunity to learn about it and work gives you the opportunity to practice. But you can practice while you learn the thing you're doing. They say... They say those who can't teach, those who can't teach, those who can do. I believe those who can should teach what they do. <laughs> Whoa. Um, I really want you to talk some more about MBA because yeah. I think it is um, beautiful. So um, what is the problem that the music business at um, Africa was birthed to solve? <sighs> So in 2016, I was looking for staff and I kept hiring people and firing people, hiring people and firing people. And then I stopped for a moment and thought, maybe, I'm, maybe my expectations are too high, right? So in 2017, I said, let me start an internship program and I'll pick some. Actually, before then, I started hiring and training my people. But then I realized that even if I was training my people, they still had to go and interact with the industry. Mm. Um, and so I started the internship program as a means to reach more people and then select the top brains from there. Mm. Um, but then when I did that, people were like, ah, I would pay to, to, to learn more, right? And so we started the talent management training program. Um, and that grew into what in 2019 was like 200K. And, you know, I wanted to reduce the number and focus on people because it was physical. I'll take them to where it's happening. Um, when Corona hit, I think that it became evident that there was a need because now there was, there was I turned down over 30 live sessions because I think <laughs> I, by the time I had done seven, I started thinking, ah, 
So people want to hear me talk. <laughs> then why aren't you coming to my come and talk uh, to me directly? Exactly. Right? So I started having my own sessions, but I realized that there was such a demand for information. So I started doing some research. And I was thinking, okay, so what university on the continent can I partner with to do something for education? Right? And there was none. Hmm. None of them were offering music business as a course. I mean, they off, some offered music. Uh, there was a platform that even offered engineering, but business as a course wasn't offered. Um, so as I say, we decided to do it. We felt like if it's, if it's something that... Decided to show them. Yeah, decided to show them, decided <laughs> to do it. And if it's something that is needed, we should be doing it. So it wasn't... I didn't really think it through, through in terms of what it would cost me, <laughs> but I just felt it was something that needed to be done. Let's just go. Um, a lot of the things that I realized that I needed to put in place started happening later when I was like, oh God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> um, but it it was, first of all, to solve that problem. We needed to be able to create opportunities. The second reason, uh, uh, educate people. The second reason was because a large population yeah. of the continent is young. A very large, like median age in Africa is 19.7. So it's very young. Most of these people are not going into banking or uh, med medicine or engineering. Most of them are going into the creative industry. And that is because medicine accounting is saturated, right? There are a lot of people in their legal services. So there are a lot of people going into creative even if they studied medicine, mm -hmm. even if they studied law. And so what that made me see was, okay, so who is creating these opportunities and how do we ensure that we have the right people in getting, taking advantage of these opportunities? So that was the second reason we set this up. The third reason was, or the third solution we wanted to be able to, was to create jobs. So some people are being trained to work for people mm. because that's their disposition. Yeah. There are other people that are trained to create businesses. Give you an example. Three of my students own, the three owners of Double Sis are my students. Oh, mad. Right? Tennis management. Yes. Oh, right? Oh. So those guys have gone through training and they've gone in to set up a company. Now they employ staff in the music industry, right? So there are those guys that will, that one person will create opportunities for 10 people yeah. by creating jobs. And so we needed to also put that into, so we are also, we're introducing an incubation uh, program to MBA as part of our processes. So we train people and then we do an incubation for business people. So the guys that want to get jobs have already gone through the training. Yeah. But the guys that are now saying, okay, I own a business, we have an incubation for them, a program that will last maybe three months or six months that we will use to train them to set up their own businesses. Wow. <sighs> um, traditionally, women have been poorly represented in the music industry at every level. Mm. Um, how is the Academy trying to address this? You know, and what has the performance of your female cohorts been, um, been like so far? Most of my best students are women. Whoa. Um, my executive team that I did not choose, chosen by the students, is made up of 60% of women, right? I think that 
what I found, because when I started doing the program, and I'll tell you a funny story, I visited people's homes to talk to their parents, to explain to them that we are not fraudsters, <laughs> we are not criminals, <laughs> we are not rascals, right? Um, and I remember a conversation I had with one of the, a father of a young lady who really wanted to be in the industry. And the man said, your industry is very careless. Um, what's the word he used? Basically, his fear was, you know, all the ills of society mm. is, is deposited in the entertainment industry. And I told him that's not true. What the entertainment industry is, is a reflection of society. Yeah, society. Right? Movie, literature, uh, music is a reflection of society. So it looks like we are the ones who are carrying this thing on our head. What we're really doing is we're showing you what is happening in society. Now, how you interpret that is left to you. You know, we had a very, very serious intellectual conversation that day. And I said to him, people in the industry have families like you do, you know, and they, they want to take care of their families and this is the job that they do. But it doesn't mean that they're irresponsible. You know what I mean? They're expressive. They have to be expressive to interpret society's situation. They have, they have to be expressive to one of the things that artists, whether it is sculptors or musicians or designers, whatever, one of the things they do is they raise the profile of a society. If, if an arts person, if creative people walk into an environment, into into a building, what they're going to do is they're going to raise the profile of that place because they will create activity that will pull audiences there, right? And that is what the creative people, that's what the creative industry does. But for them to do that, they have to be expressive. So the talents within the system are expressive and this is part, some people, there are artists that don't have dada. Of course. <laughs> but there are artists that have it. It doesn't mean that the one person is better than the other person. It just means that they have different ways of expressing whatever it is they want to say. So I've had to have mo multiple conversations with fathers and mothers of women. Another issue that has been raised has been protecting women. You know, is the this, is this space safe for women? And that is a job that we all have to do. The space is not entirely safe for women and there are a lot of reasons why um some of it is cultural some of it is background i'll give you an example so when we're growing when we're younger people used to if a boy beats a girl will say he likes her <laughs> right a show of aggression <laughs> was considered affection <laughs> right so a lot of these young boys grew up in these environments where these things are permissible Nobody stopped them from doing it and telling them, no, that's wrong. If you like her, tell her, express yourself. You know, teaching young men how to be more expressive without being physical or without trying to have their way. Nobody's teaching a lot of people these things. So they grow up, take this mindset to the office, to their workplace. So they're doing this thing and some people don't really know that what they're doing is, is wrong. That is why you then need policies within office space yeah. that check certain excesses of people that came from backgrounds where they were not taught these things. So if they didn't learn it when they were growing up at the office, somebody should be telling them that's wrong, right? And, true, and, and, and that is part of what we all need to do as business owners to say, 
what policies do I have within my system to protect the women within the system? So, you know, we I started doing that to increase participation of women in the programs. So before I have participation percentage of like ratio of like seven guys to 10 men to one woman type of situation. And so I needed to increase that. So I set up a fund last year uh, in 2020. It was just a personal fund. I reached out to a few friends um, to just say, support this fund. Let's try and support, sponsor some women to my programs. And I saw that it worked. So for 2021 edition of the program, I actually set up a proper fund. So some brands, am I allowed to mention them? Anyway? Okay, some brands, you know, Sterling Bank came in, Audiomark sponsored 20 women, Sterling Bank did the same thing. So we're able to hit our target of 40% participation Whoa. for women. Um, and I'm so glad I did it because, and this is what I think. I think that regardless of gender, and this is what I tell my students as well, MBA is not a gender program. It's a competence program, right? So whether you're a guy or you're a woman, I'm giving all of you the same opportunity to perform. And how well you perform determines who you lead, right? And so people chose the executive team because of how well they were performing in their individual groups. Hmm. So when I merged all the groups, so what I did basically was I broke them into groups to set up their own system, yeah. their own label, their own management team. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when I, I saw, saw the that names. they were doing what they were doing, I broke, set, shut down the companies and brought them into one. And then I made them do an election. So they chose their leadership themselves. Because I also want to teach people that the best type of leadership is leadership of peers. The same minds who are all aware and enlightened and informed, deciding that we believe this person has the characteristics to lead us right through this current situation. Things might change. You might decide that based on the new situation, we need this type of person yeah. to lead us. But they all have an understanding of what they need to do. So that's the best type of democracy or leadership that I think should work, where it's a, when you lead equals, because you have mutual respect for each other and they, because they chose you, they follow you. And I think that is, that is what, that's the kind of mindset I'm trying to impact. But it's been amazing the work that the women have been doing. So, for next year, I'm not setting up a fund. Um, <clears throat> by God's grace, I have the money I need to do what I need to do next year. What I'm doing next year is I'm going to highlight the work that the women from this year's program have done just mm. to show other girls and other women that you can do it. Even if it's three to five months space, you can actually do a lot of stuff. So we're doing something called the Women of MBA. It's a campaign that we're starting next year and we're going to be highlighting not just what they're doing at that time, but also the work that they put into the program so that they could learn. And you, they are, I mean, I, I, I say this cautiously. I love you guys, but the women are actually running MBA. <laughs> <laughs> the women are wow. running MBA. So it's, 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 it's just been amazing seeing what people can do when you give them opportunities. So this is to say, the women are actually interested in the music business, Very. but they just need to there be many, sure you that... You know, all these issues I mentioned, safety, family concerns, uh, you know, people are talking about, you know, the, the and I teach the women in my program about speaking up. So if you feel like you're not getting paid what you deserve, speak up, right? Um, going to the top of any ladder or the pinnacle of any career is hard for anyone, male or female. 
But we recognize that women have to, in this time, have to work harder to achieve what they need to achieve and have more obstacles in their way. And the more women speak up, the louder their voice gets and the more some men are f- feel more comfortable. I mean, some I speak up now. Yeah. I've been speaking up for a while. But there's some men that are that are that need that push, right? They need to know that if I if I step up, nobody's going to roast me or attack <laughs> me or you know. So more women speaking makes the voice louder and then you have more men joining in. So my goal is not necessarily for more men to speak on behalf of women, but it's for more men to stand and ensure women can speak for themselves, right? So that as they speak for themselves, we can then join our voices because no matter how loudly I speak, I'm not a woman. And it's important that women are the ones speaking for themselves so that I listen to understand so that I can contribute to what she's trying to achieve or what she's trying to say, as opposed to trying to speak on her behalf because I don't have the... I don't have the, the facilities. The facilities. <laughs> I don't have the facilities for that. Yeah. So that's Lo- what it is. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, beautiful. Um, Godwin, what has running the academy taught you that you didn't know before you started? Have money. <laughs> See, when you are thinking of a project that is have money, go and, go and collect, go and, go and work, save money because it it burnt my pocket, right? So that's the first thing. Um, you know, you, you go into something you're passionate about without properly thinking through. And most, in most cases, you don't really know, especially if you don't have experience. I'm not in education business, yeah. you know, so you don't really know how demanding it would be not just money just your time i collapsed um, in march Sorry, um man. in my office by myself Whoa. you know so i remember getting up i woke up by myself <laughs> and i just booked my flight to london <laughs> <laughs> my wife my wife was out of town like, at the time i just booked my flight i went to sit with my family movement, like, you know no so time. because there's there's um it it takes its toll yeah. Um, but the the thing I've learned, as I said, the first thing I said in the last point I made was, you know, if you give people opportunity, some people I didn't think were going to do great because I felt like, you know, they, you know, you look at the people who can speak English, there are people who are good on paper. Um, but the moment you give somebody information, an opportunity, hmm. you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked at how somebody who you thought couldn't speak well could deliver work. It's not about the English. It's about the work the person is able to do. Um, you'd be shocked at how how somebody you thought was fragile because you're worried. You'd be shocked at the amount of load that he or she can carry. Um, so that's one thing that I've learned and seen happen. Another thing that I think MBA has taught me is that if you genuinely mean well, people will show up. Hmm. But people need to see you start. Uh, you know, it's 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 not is you know the, the the best story I like to tell is a story I made up. So there's this guy who who went to a very far place. Let's say in Lagos, he went to Igondo, right? And Igondo to VI is far, so he lives in <laughs> VI, right? And for the purpose of the story, I'm not saying Uganda is a bad place. I'm saying if, you, <laughs> if you live in Uganda and you're going to VI, it's also far. Yeah. So, so, but he lives in VI and he's going to, or he lives in Ajay and he's going to Uganda or whatever. And so he stays for a while and then it's nighttime and he wants to go 
home. He's living his life normally, but he's overstayed and then now he needs to go home. And as he's driving home, he gets to this part of the road where there's no no street lights and the car breaks down. So now he needs to, he's trying to get people's attention. But nobody wants to stop because the place is dark. So people are worried they might get robbed. People are worried that, you know, they don't know the person. Mm -hmm. It's the same in business. When you go to someone with an idea, they don't know you. They are sure that they are worried that my money might sink, you know. Um, So nobody stops for him. So he's waiting, 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 waiting. Nobody stops. He's waving, trying hours. Nobody's answering him. And it's getting darker. So he just looks forward and decides, okay, let me push my car by myself. So he starts pushing the car. But you see, as he's pushing this car, he's getting closer to where there are street lights. Now people are driving by. But you see, at this point, he's pushing his car and he has decided nobody wants to help him. So he's deciding to do this thing himself. He's deciding, I'm going to give my energy. I'm going to push this car until I get to a place where it's safe to park my car and go home, right? And so he pushes. But as he's pushing, he gets into where there's streetlights and people are driving, seeing somebody's pushing his car and they start stopping. Hmm. And I think, what's the issue? What's wrong with your car? What help do you need? But if he wasn't in the light, nobody would see. So now he gets help. Somebody said, ah, it's fuel now. We've checked, it's fuel. Yeah, let's get you fuel. Go and get fuel, we'll wait for you or whatever it is, right? Or we'll help you get fuel and you come and do what you need to do. That is how I see what's happening with NBA. Right. I think I needed to, no matter how noble it was, what I was trying to do, I needed to push to where people could see that this thing was happening. This thing is needed. This thing is important. Because now I'm having, I spoke to almost, if not over 100 businesses to sponsor MBA between last wow. year and this year. Over 100 businesses globally. And I ended up doing it myself. So, the conversations I'm having now is entirely different. It's it's more like, okay, how do we come in? Where do we come in? What do you need? What can we, what would this money give, give us? Right? That kind of conversation. That's what I'm having now. So I needed to push this to light so people would see it. I was in a dark place. Nobody saw what we could do. And so nobody was really paying attention. So I think what it's taught me is whatever your idea is, whatever the thing you want to do is, you can be angry that nobody is supporting you from now to tomorrow. None of it will change anything. They won't support still. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so it is you being able to show, you know that thing they say nobody is coming. Mm-hmm. People are coming. The only difference is that people haven't seen where you're going. So they can't follow you. Exactly. There. You know, if you're standing, if you're standing on, if you're standing in a junction, right? You're just standing there. Nobody knows which way you're going. So even if you're trying to get a a bus, if you're standing in the middle, right, they're not sure. So if you don't stop to direct to show where you're going, they're just going to go past you. Buses you need will go past you. But if you stand in the place where you can stop the bus that's going in the direction that you're going, then it's easy to stop the bus because you're in its way to where it's going. So whoever wants to support you is standing waiting for you but you need to be going in a direction that they can say, okay, I want to I wanna hop on your bus. I want to hop on where you're going. Because the truth is, you have to be going somewhere for people to follow you. It's as simple as that. Is this how an artist attracts a manager? That is very true. Yes. Because sometimes there's nothing to manage. 
And this is what a lot of artists fail to understand. I've met an artist who refused to release music because he's looking for a manager first. And I said, the problem with that is you are expecting that this manager should be the reason for your success. That's what you fail to understand. The manager's job is to manage the process of your success, not to necessarily be the one who will start it for you. So when you, when you, because when there's nothing to manage, then you don't need a manager. Maybe you need PR, <laughs> right? Uh, maybe you need your friend to help you do the hustle, you know? But the thing is, when, when you put out music, then the manager, as I said, remember when I said, when you open certain doors and then you realize that some doors are not for your clients, could be for someone else. Mm -hmm. You now see somebody, you now say, you know what, I see an opportunity for this person. That is how it normally works, right? Um, I mean, sometimes you can find someone early, but the people who are really busy want to see what you have to offer. You know, you hear artists every time say, oh my God, I'm the best rapper in the world. Yeah, send me music. I have not recorded yet. <laughs> so how do you know that you're the best rapper in the world? Record music, put it out. Let, let people react to it. And then you know that you have an audience that you're telling your story and that relates to you. And then we can now sit down and strategize how to get that audience to give you money, right? But if you've not put anything out, who are we really talking to? There's a whole process. Uh, so I think that's, it's also a process. But I mean, there's no one way of finding a manager. But the ideal way is somebody really hears you, wants what you're offering, and comes to you to say, I know where I can take what you're doing or how I can take it to the next level, and that's why I'm here. That is the best type of relationship you want to have with a manager. Lovely. Man, this man has been dropping. Not like I'm surprised, though, but <laughs> gems up on gems. Um, Godwin, how do you foresee talent management evolving over the next 10 years? <clears throat> more respect for managers. Um, more knowledgeable people in the system. More knowledgeable people in the system then forces the businesses that interact with the music industry to sit up and behave. Hmm. Right, and once those businesses sit up and behave, it benefits the artist in the long run because then they can make more money. You know, someone will not just sign your content off, as some people have done. You know, <laughs> sign your content off and tell you that they're they're benefiting you because they're giving you content. No, you know, so more people can then ask the right questions and demand for the right things for their clients, and then it becomes easier for us to. Because right now, there are a lot of relationships between politics and the entertainment industry. And if, if people were thinking about the next steps or long term of the industry, what you would have would be people taking advantage of, okay, so the politicians want us now. Let us use this opportunity to demand for certain legislation, demand for certain things to happen before we give them our vote, right? So that way we could pass certain bills that would benefit the industry, pass certain bills that would benefit and ensure that we structure our collective societies, for example, and the rights owners are the ones making decisions, ETC. All those things we can do because somebody is saying we want your support, right? So we can lobby for ourselves when these people come to us because we know that they will use us, right? So what are we gaining? 
you will make 30 million, 40 million, 50 million, but it will finish. How much True. is the house? True. You know what I mean? It will finish. But the thing is, if you start looking at how do we build an ecosystem that benefits everybody, including me, but it benefits the entire ecosystem so that all of us can continue making money. That is when we have more people asking the right things, forcing the government to pay attention, forcing brands to treat us better. We can't do that if we're not more educated. So that is why, that's part of why MBA is here. That's part of why we're, you know, I'm happy that there are more people even doing it. Before I did it, it wasn't really happening, but I'm happy because somebody was telling me, ah, this person stole your idea. I said, no, it's not my idea. <laughs> Education, music, edu music business education, there are universities across the world that's doing it. It's not my idea. I'm glad that people are seeing the opportunity in it and doing it. My job is to make sure that I'm 10 steps ahead of the people who are coming to do it so that I can stay relevant in doing it. But I can't stop anyone from doing it. But we need more people doing it. We need more people getting educated because me alone, I can't do it by myself. Wow. Um, what What is... What is that one insight that you have gained after being in this industry for this long that you can swear by anytime, any day? Malice has no economic value. <clears throat> if you like, Vex, from now to tomorrow, the reality is you still meet that person in front. Sometimes, regardless of how ruthless or how wicked the person is, you're going to end up meeting those people. So identify what you want to take to heart. There are some things that you don't need to deal with. There are some, you know, there are fights you don't need, you know. Um, and there are people who cross the line and you have to, I think, be more firm and more clear about your principles and who you are than reacting. Because the more people understand what your value is, the more they interact with you based on that hmm. teach people how to interact with you so i've learned not to take things to heart because a lot of the people that i had issues with that offended me i've ended up still doing businesses with them business with them but what i've done now is now i know that i can't trust you so <laughs> it's even easier for me my head is clearer so when i'm doing a contract i'm protecting i'm covering every loophole i can think of as opposed to trusting you and then you stabbing me in the back so that's one thing that I've held on to uh, as in the business, like, it's pointless to, you might hate somebody, but that person might be sitting between you and a deal. And the only thing you have at that point is to hold on to your own principles. So are you doing the deal because it's not in line with your principle? Or are you doing it because of your ego? And if you're doing it because of your ego, shame on you. <laughs> GT, what is the most magical thing you have experienced in your many years in the music industry? I think it's multiple things. It's magical. There's something spiritual about being around the creation of something that becomes a thing. Hmm. I, um, seeing an artist create a song that becomes a hit, you know, being there or being a part of the process, there's something extremely magical about that. I think that continues to amaze me. Even this MBA program, the music the artists have created for the next release, like I don't know when this comes out. So yeah. either it's the next release or the release that has come out when by the time this podcast comes yeah. out. But 
it's been amazing seeing artists that had never released music creating this type of content and working with writers in ways that they'd never envisioned or thought about before and seeing people working around the clock to create opportunities that these artists can exploit. It's magical. So that will always amaze me. That's probably why MBA for Africa, by God's grace, will stay for a while because it's something that I want to continue doing. Uh, It will always be magical. It will always be magical. There's something spiritual about it, being able to create, not just the music, but also MBA for Africa was birthed in my bathroom. My wife and I were having a conversation. We have this thing we do every morning where we just gist. And I was talking to her about, you know, I want to call the program MBA. And she's like, what does that mean? I said, well, you know, Music Business Academy. And she's like, oh, okay, interesting. Literally from our bathroom. And to see that conversation become what it is now. Now. It's spiritual. There's something magical and spiritual about that. So it's not just the music creation. It's also seeing people come up with ideas yeah. that they see to fruition. That's that's amazing. Lovely, lovely. Um, before I let you go, GT, Afrobeats to the world, it's been a wildly amazing year for Afrobeats and for Nigerian music in general on the global scene. Um, do you think we are doing enough as an industry to capture the most value we can from these recent successes? We're doing the most that we know. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. I think, as with anything, the creatives go first. The business needs to come. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yes, our artists have created and opened doors, but our biggest artists are not... They're making money, but as an industry, we don't own this success. Right? Um, So... What needs to happen now that the door is open? We need to start ensuring that there are local businesses, right? Yeah. That understand the process and the system. There are local businesses that are properly structured here to do business with international companies, right? So that we can then begin to own more of the content that we're creating. That is when we fully exploit it. Because we're talking about reggae music being exploited and they didn't really benefit from it. It's the same thing that could happen to Afrobeats if the business doesn't step in, right? So the creative, now everybody loves it, right? Everybody wants to be part of what we're doing. Everybody wants to be part of Afrobeats. Everybody's setting up offices. You know, all these things are nice. But if the local businesses are not developed, Hmm. even those businesses that are coming in will just leave. This is not the first time these majors are coming. Yeah. Right? Um, But when the ecosystem itself isn't growing, then there's a problem. And the only way the ecosystem grows, and I always say this with, with, um, with talent shows, the problem with talent shows is that it doesn't carry the ecosystem. It carries the artist, but it doesn't carry the ecosystem. If the ecosystem grows, the artist remains sustained. Right? So now there's a... It's, Let's put it this way. The music industry is kept alive by corporates, end-of-year parties, so individuals, corporates and individuals, right? So um, the problem with that is the money goes to the artists, not the industry. 
because there are not enough business people setting up the industry and the ecosystem. So the artist benefits and the artist can employ people and that's great. But that's the tip of the iceberg. Underneath all of that, there needs to be a system that's holding that iceberg together. And that ecosystem, that, that, that bigger chunk is the ecosystem that needs to work. So now Afrobeats is everywhere. Where are the Nigerian businesses that are running it? Where's the aristocrats? Where's the, where's the multiple types of aristocrats? Where's the multiple types of maven that is stepping into these conversations to say, we represent this, is, we represent this culture, right? The majors are not the ones to represent our culture. They can set up an office here and then they can be part of the conversation, but they must also invest in the processes and in the development. So I think that it's great that the creative parts of Afrobeat, of African music, Afrofusion, whatever yeah. names we want to call it now, <laughs> the creative parts of it has gone forward and is speaking on our behalf. Now we need to support it with business. And that includes the law, that includes management, that includes record labels, that includes publishing companies, that includes PR companies, that includes uh, A&R services. Like we need to stand behind those talents properly so that that talent doesn't become the, those talents don't become the only ones that go through, mm. right? So now once that, that business system is in place, it's easy to then funnel more mm. artists through that process. And by funneling more artists into the international market, the revenue comes back home and we can employ more people. We can get more jobs. We can build more businesses. How do you think this is going to happen though? International JVs or uh, all of it. people's uncles? Putting up all money. of it. Every single process, every single thing. We fail to understand that businesses in more developed nations came this way. Individuals, companies, it's the same thing. Um, and we also forget that there are not many music markets in the world that are successful. How many Africa alone has 50 some, 53 countries, right? Globally, there are hundreds of, of hundreds of countries, but there are only like 20 to 30 markets that are making money. The Nigerian music industry is similar to Ukraine. Ukraine wow. is a European country. It's similar. So if we think about it, right, there are not that many people that are doing what we wish we could do. But because it is not us, we assume that it's such a difficult thing to achieve. It's not. We just need to, as we're going now, creatives in front, then the business needs to follow. People need to start investing in management agencies. People need to start. We need to get legislation to protect the interest of investors who will come in so money doesn't sink in. But for us to get legislation to change, we need to also ensure that what we're doing will benefit the executive arm of the government so that they can fight for us as well. If we come with a plan that shows the transport and works and housing industry that if they support the music industry, they can generate $3 billion every year they might push for us. If we show the health ministry that if we start a health fund for artists and musicians, which is an insurance scheme for musicians, they can generate $5 billion a year. They'll jump in. So it's really about finding the people who understand the processes to then interact. We need people lobbying for us. We need people in government understanding how the music industry works, which is why 
part of our push for this for next year's program is to also see if we can get people from the government coming to attend the program. Just have an understanding of how the industry works so that you can go and figure out, oh my God, we're losing so much money <laughs> from the entity because we're not paying attention to things that the entertainment industry could do. I know it's nice to say we're setting up a fund, but the entertainment industry is generating money. And so how do we support it in a way that the government benefits, but also the creators benefit? And that's the best relationship you want to have. But people don't know how this works. So we need to educate them too. So it's a process of education, but it's also a process of us, the businesses, stepping in and speaking on behalf of our artists, not allowing other people to dictate it and being part of the process and being on the table when these conversations are had. Whoa, GT. Alpha. Man, <laughs> alpha. Man um, I mean, you already know what I think about the music business at Africa, um, but let me restate that I truly believe in the academy and the value it's going to create within the music industry and um, outside of it. Um, one thing that excites me, though, is the fact that a lot of the skills that are common among successful artist managers like time management, um, project management, budgeting, interpersonal skill, communication skill are all very much transferable mm -hmm. and um, in demand in many other industries. So with what you're doing, I see a day where talent managers, especially people who have come through your platform, are going to be eligible and qualified enough and good enough to even take up roles outside of um, the music yeah. ecosystem. The country manager from Dondo is my student. Uh -huh. And I think, I think that there's... Look, we perform miracles in the music industry, in this Nigerian music industry every day. We just don't recognize it. We're doing things that brand teams... Like we have individuals doing things that brand teams are set up to do. Um, and I don't think we understand the value of that. There are many managers that should be running brands, like portfolios for brands. They should be sitting on massive budgets for brands and helping them cost effectively execute because we've done a lot of these things with absolutely nothing. So I think that is, that is where, you know, the growth and people see that. But I, I agree with you. I think that there's, it, it is all transferable. It's branding, it's selling a product. And so if, if you can do it with an individual that someone thought couldn't do anything, you can do it with a bar of soap, you know, and that's pretty much for me, and that, I'm just using that as an example, but that's pretty much what we are hoping we can achieve, that more people that understand the industry can go into corporate and speak on behalf of the industry, go into government and speak on behalf of the industry. And that's really what this is about. Lovely, lovely. Um, like, like what we see in the tech world now, um, a lot of people you drive past in, like you, or you meet at the eatery or this, they um, possibly work for a, a company in Sweden or in Holland or, you know, Nigerian IT talents are pretty um, yeah. sought after now. Um do you think we'll have a time where on the global scale everybody's trying to hire a Nigerian for their record label, for their touring company? It's for already their happening. Manager? It's already happening. Um, Especially with what you are doing? Yeah, bro! It's, 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 it's already happening. And that's another reason why MBA is so important to me because when these people come, 
who did they ask for these people? Who did they go to to say, I'm looking for someone that fits this description? You know, we want to be able to create that pool for them to look into and say, well, here are our top performing students. Mm-hmm. You know, choose your pick. You know what I mean? And 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 I think it's already happening. It's already happening. People, a lot of businesses are trying to figure out how they can establish offices in Lagos or Abuja, even Accra. Um, and And I think that that's that speaks to the creatives going forward, right? Uh, and so they see opportunities, but now we need to have the right set of people to help those businesses succeed. Because if those businesses succeed here, it benefits us as well as a sure, nation. Sure. So help those businesses succeed and create opportunities for other local businesses to interact with these businesses and benefit from them as well. So it's, it's a win-win for everybody when everybody knows what they're doing. Man, GT, thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your dedication, your passion. Thank you for this seed that is going to grow into something humongous in a few years. Thank you for being on the show, my man. Another thank you. opportunity to say blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for having me, man. It's always That's a pleasure. And, and I, I have to say this before I go. Um, people... People like to do this thing where they pitch people against each other and say, oh, but you're doing this or you're doing this. The truth is, Obina does this podcast thing better than me, right? <laughs> so I, when I support online, it's genuinely because I don't need to do it because he's doing it. And I think, and you know, fantastic work you're doing with it. You've taken it to another level. So thank you for it. It's an honor to be here. Man, it's an honor to have you, man. Nice GT. One, thank you so much, my man. Bless, thank brother. You. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and I do hope that you have found this episode as useful as I have. Please hit the like button, share and leave a comment on our page to help this podcast touch as many lives as possible. Keep listening.